And then Deacon found the mic. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't figured out yet, I don't really like microphones very much, but I understand it's part of the, the deal, right? Well, it's interesting because Father Terry was praying for me there before I preached, and he, he said, you know, that I would be able to speak that which God put on my heart when I began to, to prepare for this message. And uh, I began to prepare for this message earlier this week when Father Terry called me and said that he had broken his foot. And I wish I could tell you that I always just love to preach. But honestly, when I'm asked to preach, the first thing in my heart is sheer terror. Um, Because it's really not about me and it's not supposed to be my words and yet... All I have is what God has put in my heart and what I've journeyed through. And so I want to share a little bit of that with you. Actually, after I got off the phone with Father Terry, I was in my car and I was listening to the Christian radio station and this interesting question was posed and then people began to call in and so forth. And the question was this, can someone be a good Christian if he or she does not read the Bible? Well, my gut instinct was to say, are they crazy? Of course you have to read the Bible to be a good Christian. And then I realized a couple of people called and and one person mentioned, well, the early church didn't have the Bible. They didn't really have the Bible canonized for several hundred years. And so they walked by faith. They believed in the resurrection and all these things. And I'm not going to tell you I'm going to really answer this question today because then this morning, George and I got in a question outside and George said to me, well, but you know a lot of the epistles had to be written to correct issues within the church. And I thought, amen to that. And then I walked in the church and then I thought, but what about the issues in the church today? And we've had the Bible for over 16, 1700 years and we still struggle to understand. The first scripture that came to my mind was from Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. And if you have your Bible and you'd like to turn there, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on a way, on his way, a man ran up to him and fell at his, on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit good life? Why do you call me Good. Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me. Most of us in this room probably know the young ruler's response to that, right? For he had much wealth, Scripture says, and he went away with a downturned face or sad, however you might want to put it. Why did he go away? Why was he sad? I don't know... To me, there is a mystery in this scripture reading. 
Because if Jesus can't say of himself that he's good, then... And yet he does that. And I don't believe that he was really even talking about himself. I believe that he was calling this rich young ruler to something greater. He was calling him to a deeper relationship. What Bishop Chuck would call revival. He was calling to breathe something new into him to give him something greater. You see, he knew the law. I mean, he stated it, right? Jesus asked him, do these things. And he said, I'm in there. I've done that. Oh, but there's, there's one thing you lack. And I think for each of us, it might be something different. I know in my own journey here to Church of the Reconciler, that something was kind of being in that place where I felt like I was at peace. You know, when our family left Hawaii, it was difficult. I loved the people there. I know that they loved us. And yet, I was burdened. I had taken on so much that I felt like I could no longer keep all of these balls in the air and be um, the dad that I was called to be to my family. And so, in a lot of ways we kind of fled. And I found myself out in the country in Tennessee with everything that I thought I wanted and needed until I visited here. And God said, I have something more for you. And I'll be very honest with you, that first day that I felt that call when I left here, I was very much like the rich young ruler. Please, Lord, no. Not because I was comfortable. You see, we never, I don't know about you, but when we're in our comfort zone, when we're where we like to be, now I can't imagine not being here. Does that make sense? But at that moment in time, I couldn't imagine not walking my little acre of land and Melissa's little goats that, although they frustrated me from time to time, it was just a peaceful place. It was, it was quiet. I was alone. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I just like being alone. Especially when you have nine kids, right? Being alone sometimes is a good thing. But God was calling me to something deeper. He was seeking to revive my soul, to revive my heart, to speak to me and say to me, I'm not done, if you'll let me. But the wonderful thing about our Heavenly Father is He never, ever forces anything on us, does He? He always invites us to say yes. He can be pretty persistent. In the Gospel this morning, Jesus is asked if He is the Messiah. Now, I want to say to you, the issue here was not a lack of understanding. For every good Jew, and we know from Scripture that it was the Jews, it was a group of Jews that approached him, every good Jew knew the Torah. They knew the Torah. And there was a prayer that they would say every day called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. Does this sound familiar? With all your heart. And with all your soul, with all your strength, they knew that. 
They knew it by heart. They said it over and over again. So the issue is not a lack of understanding. The issue is unbelief. They had witnessed the miracles. And Jesus even says to them, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe the miracles. For they testify that the Father has sent me. And they still couldn't say yes. Because it pushed them out of their comfort zone. Let's face it, who were the people that were following Jesus? They were the sinners. They were the prostitutes. They were fishermen. Some of them were farmers. Tax collectors. I mean, we could go on. It wasn't a very pretty list. And for them, it was a bridge too far. And so the issue was not a lack of knowledge, but a lack of belief. And I believe that even in the church today, we can find ourselves in the same position. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where you know, one of the things when before we're ordained, we have to make a commitment to the bishop that we will pray the daily office. That we will do the scripture readings, that we will pray the daily office. And I can tell you for me, I have had those dry times in my life where it was nothing but me reading the print on that page and it going in one ear, as my father used to say, and out the other. And I'm not saying that there's not something for that discipline. But even in those times, I would read maybe a single line, maybe even two words and the Lord would prick my heart. And he would begin to stir in me again that relationship. That relationship. And so I guess if I were to kind of answer that question, one thing I would have to say is if it's done outside of that relationship, then at times maybe it could just be words on a page. I mean, I think of things that are done with the Bible today. Sadly, and in history, I mean, think about what scripture has been used to defend at times, even in our own nation's history. The colic today tells us, reminds us, that we are to be sheep. And that there is only one good shepherd. And I guess the question for us today and every day is, Whose voice are we following? There's a reason that sheep are referred to often in Scripture because sheep are a very unique animal. They are probably, and it's interesting because the Scripture oftentimes um, compares sheep to goats. Now, I've never had sheep, but I have had goats, and they are stubborn animals, especially the males. But we're not going to, they do what they want to do. They will tear down a fence. They'll get into whatever it is they want to. But sheep aren't that way. Sheep almost instinctively need a shepherd. They need someone to follow. They need to hear that word, that familiar voice of the shepherd. And Jesus says that his sheep will know his voice and that they will follow him. The writer of Hebrews says, and without faith, 
it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so what does it mean to be a good Christian? I believe it means we seek God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And one of the ways that we seek him is in his word written. In the recorded history of what he has done. But it can never be outside of our relationship with him. You see, not all saw, and doubt was still there, but Jesus meets us where we are. This morning, Paul, once a Pharisee, a man adamantly rejecting the Christian faith, a man steeped in the Torah, a persecutor of the church, proclaims the gospel without apology. Only God could do that. You see, Paul didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think my thinking's been all wrong in this. I read, I read this self-help book and, you know, I think I've been wrong. I somehow got this wrong. You know, he met Jesus. And Jesus spoke truth into his heart. And he was changed. But I assure you, I assure you, God never took Paul's free will from him. Every single day, in everything that Paul would go through for the gospel, he had to say yes. And he did. Thank God, he did. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter from those strong feet that followed, followed after, but with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic insistency, they beat and a voice beat, more instant than the feet. All things betray thee who betrayest me. That's probably the last time you'll ever hear me read poetry. So That poem was written by Francis Thompson, and I referred to it last Sunday. It's called The Hound of Heaven. And as we learned last week, just like Peter, no matter where we find ourselves, God has a plan for us. He is desiring to speak truth and life into our hearts. If we will but say yes. So two questions are for us today. For those of us who have experienced not only the resurrection, but have received the breath of our Lord and the Holy Spirit, are we at peace? Now peace equals trust. Peace is not stuff. It is not comfort. It is not a large bank account. It is not the right home. Or the right city. It is not knowledge alone. And it is not the status quo. Now I probably spoke. You probably could understand at least one of those. I know for me probably a couple of those in my life. right? You know, I like the status quo. Like I like Father Mark being here. And being the celebrant and I stand off to the side. I like not wearing this microphone. I like a lot of things. I like the status quo. But God is almost always speaking something if we're willing to listen. 
It may be in that quiet time as we read his word. It may be as we're worshiping. It may be when we receive the body and blood. The question is, will we be attentive? Will we, in the midst of maybe lack of stuff, or discomfort, or not much in our bank account, or somebody giving us a microphone, or a whole bunch of knowledge, will we say, Lord, I'm willing to set all of that aside to hear you? Jesus did not promise comfort or even safety to his followers, nor does he to us. In fact, he boldly proclaimed that in this world his followers would have trouble, but that our peace is to be found in the fact that he has overcome the world. And if we are in him, then we have overcome. Peace is knowing in the midst of the battle that God will provide for our every need. As Bishop Chuck likes to say, the gospel is good news to man, but it is a declaration of war to the enemy. And it's true. In fact, I would say to you, the more closely we begin to say yes and to follow, the less comfortable things we'll get. And all of those other things will follow, right? The status quo will go away. We'll be asked to do things we're not comfortable with that aren't our personality and all of those things. But God will be breathing into us life. He will be reviving us to what we've been called for. In Isaiah 26, we read, You keep in perfect peace the one of steadfast mind, the one who trusts in you. I'm going to kind of wrap this up. This is going to be a short sermon because we have kind of a we have a guest speaker with us today, and so we're going to hear in a few minutes from from him. The second question is: Are we living the New Testament life? This season of Easter, the church does something kind of unique. If you notice, we don't do Old Testament readings. We actually well, we can, but there is an option. The lectionary gives us the option to read from the Book of Acts. Because during this season of Easter, we are to reflect on what happened after the resurrection. What happened with those disciples that all fled the scene at the crucifixion? What happened with that guy that actually denied his Lord three times? What happened with all of those folks? And true to who he is, God used them anyway. He changed their life. He revived them. He breathed newness into them. The church grew and prospered, not because of some great program, not because of their music, not their wonderful facilities. In fact, it really wasn't their doing at all. They simply trusted and lived their lives by faith. If you read Acts chapter 2, what is it that they did? They gave everything they had. They sold their stuff. They shared with one another. They gathered daily. They gathered daily to worship the Lord. To listen. What does he have to say? What does he have for us? What is he calling us to? What greater thing? What greater work? And God moved. 
From out of this spirit-filled church, Peter and Paul go into all the world. And what most people don't understand is a lot of times we talk about how the disciples took the word, and, and they did, certainly. They wrote the epistles, and they did all, they wrote the gospels down. But it was average, ordinary Christians, slaves, and merchants, and fishermen, and housewives that took the gospel into the four corners of the world. Wherever they traveled, they took it. In their daily activities with other citizens, they brought the gospel. Not only by the words that they spoke, but by the way that they lived. And to whom they placed their trust. You see, whenever the church moved by faith, God moved. And the book of Acts is that story. And as Bishop Chuck says, the book of Acts should be the pattern for the church today. Living the New Testament life is not about making things happen. It is about allowing God to change us and then to work through us. And if you think it's too late for you, think again. If God took Peter and Paul, who one only weeks before had openly and repeatedly denied his Lord, and the other one feared by Christians as a persecutor, If he could change their hearts and empower them to bring the very same life-transforming forgiveness into the world around them, he can do the same with our lives. And he desires to do that. And their message is the same message the church is to carry to the world today. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away and that a time of refreshing, of revival, may come from the Lord. And so I'm sorry that I don't really have a definitive answer to the question I began with. I have read Holy Scripture simply out of duty and still had God speak to me. I've I've read Scripture with great expectancy and have had God speak to me. I've had periods of dryness where I didn't hear anything. But Holy Scripture is a part of who we are. Oh God, whose Son Jesus is the Good Shepherd, grant that when we hear your voice, whether it be in your word written or your Holy Spirit, may we recognize that voice. And may we follow where you lead. May we be willing always to say yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.